on even after a big 2019. Should you target or avoid the rushers in the Tampa backfield? And what will one AFC stud receiver do in 2020 coming off an injury? Plus, FFPC League champ and 2020 Pros versus Joe's drafter Scott Kobe drops in to recap his draft. Fantasy football masterminds Mike Nazarek shares his takeaways from his Pros versus Joe's draft and much more. We've got a great show for you. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Let's begin now. New cologne on. Feeling so good. Change the color to my phone. Orange Kool Aid go good with Patron. No, hell no. It's still my ringtone. Free car wash. Had to clean up the dodge. Give back when I can. Just play my part. Church folks had a fish fry. Mustard. Hot salt. Light bread. French fries. Love for the big guy. Hit the park. Boys show off their house, nappy roots on the radio, and you know it about last night to hit the big three, bought some Air Force Ones, full tall tees, man I'm loving PG. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Thanks so much, Rob. Greetings and salutations, all you Balkaholics. Welcome to the latest bonus episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. Coming up on tonight's show, we'll talk about our expectations for the backup rushers in both Denver and Houston, how concerned we are with a potential limited Todd Gurley workload, and a couple of pros versus Joe's drafters, Scott Kobe and Mike Nazarek, will join us to recap their drafts. You can connect with the show on Twitter at HSFFR, at Eric Balkman, that's me, and uh, you can also con- uh, connect with... Uh, uh, Scott Kobe at SJKobe1. You can connect with Mike Nazarek at FF Mastermind on Twitter. Facebook.com slash HSFFHour is where to get a hold of us on Facebook as well. I want to remind everybody, if you haven't taken advantage yet, save $400 off on additional teams in the FFPC main event. If you're already in, that's awesome. You're going to be competing for a half million dollar grand prize. Remember, live main, draft, uh, main event drafts start Uh, This Friday, August 21st, and will run every day up until the start of the NFL season. The main event slow drafts are going on as well right now. If you can't set aside two hours for a main event draft uh, live, the slows are going fast as well. So take advantage of that. And don't forget about the 2020 Football Guys Players Championship with a $500,000 grand prize on the line. Well over a $3.1 million prize pool there as well. We're filling multiple drafts every single day, again, all the way up till the start of the NFL season on Sunday. Uh, that's different this year. Normally, we cut that off on Thursday afternoon. It's going all the way up till Sunday. You get a free look in that Thursday night Chiefs-Texans game. The Terminator tourney is already underway. It actually resumes on Saturday night again. So if you're not in there, make sure you're taking advantage. $20,000 grand prize, biggest prize pool we've ever had there as well. You can also take advantage of the Super Bracket. Yeah, the Super Bracket. Make sure you're jumping in that as well. The NCAA tourney-style fantasy football contest we have going at myffpc.com. Hey, we didn't get an NCAA tournament this year. Maybe you can get your bracket fixed in with the FFPC Super Bracket. If you want to play in a closed 12-team league, we have Terminator Satellites. We have Best Ball Leagues. We have Best Ball Slim Leagues. We have Classic Leagues there, as well as the Victory Points Leagues, all at myffpc.com. And don't forget, I mean, we still are doing Dynasty Startup Leagues over at myffpc.com as well. Uh, So if you want to get in a Dynasty Startup, those will probably be the first ones we close down. Not sure if we have an ETA date on that yet. But make sure uh, if you want to get in a Dynasty Startup League, you're on notice. There's only a few days left, maybe only even like a week or two left before we uh, shut those off until um, 2021, essentially. A couple of guests we have on tap tonight, Scott Kobe and Mike Nazarek, a, a Joe and a pro. This will be the Joe and pro episode, essentially, as we'll get the viewpoints of uh, two guys who will both be playing in the FFPC main event this year, guys who have had success in it before. 
um, and they will uh, give you their impressions of their drafts tonight. We'll get into some other newsworthy stuff as well. No Dave Gerzak on the show. He will resume uh, his co-hosting duties this Friday when we welcome in Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship Commissioner Farrell Elliott. Without further ado, you've listened to me long enough. Let's welcome in uh, tonight's first guest, FFPC uh, League champ and uh, highest scoring team in the Reese Witherspoon Main Event League last year, Scott Kobe. Want to welcome in tonight's first guest. He is coming up on 20 years playing fantasy football. He was actually the high point scorer in last year's FFPC main event Reese Witherspoon League, and he's here to talk about his pros versus Joe's Thin Lizzy League and much more. You follow him on Twitter at SJKobe1. That's S-J-C-O-B-E-1. Please welcome into the HSFF hour, Mr. Scott Kobe. Scott, welcome. Thank you very much, Balky. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm so excited to have you on. As uh, we, we've, uh, as I alluded to in the intro um, to this podcast, um, we've had some difficulties getting you on. But finally, we're, we're all set to go. We're all set to talk. Not only pros versus Joes, but main event with you as well. Excellent, excellent. Looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah. So, okay. So let's kick things off here before we talk fantasy football. Can you tell us what you're doing for a living when you're not? Uh, being the high point scorer in the Reese Witherspoon League and winning these FFPC satellite leagues? I'm a assistant night crew chief at a uh, home shopping company in Massachusetts. Ah, and, so that's interesting. I got to tell yeah. you, that's the first time we've ever had that answer. <laughs> so it's uh, it's challenging, but it gives me time to study up fantasy football and get my main event. Uh, stuff all set in my pros versus Joe, obviously. So I, th- I think that's what a lot of the guests of the show have in common is we always, you know, no matter what you do, um, it, it always seems the one overarching theme is these guys always seem to have some time to study up on fantasy football content, listen to fantasy football podcasts, and and uh, and then you know go crush it out in Vegas, go crush it online, what what have you, and you have some experience at that, and and I think you did a pretty good job crushing your pros versus Joe's draft this year. And I want to ask you about some of the picks here. Um, you were drafting, you had the 12th pick in yep. uh, league number three this year at the yep. three twelve, uh, you had the opportunity to select uh, a few different teams. Number one receivers. Uh, I'll just mention a few of them that were still on the board at this point. Juju Smith Schuster okay. from Pittsburgh, Adam Thielen from Minnesota, AJ Brown from Tennessee. Instead you go with a number two receiver off uh, the Atlanta Falcons and Calvin Ridley. Tell us what the thought process was there. Were you considering any other receivers, and why did Ridley win out? So I was considering Juju and Thielen along with Ridley. Um, I did, I've been high on Ridley. I've been drafting him anywhere I could possibly draft him in any of my drafts. So I, I think that Atlanta offense is going to just throw, throw, and throw um, a lot because their defense is not very good. So I knew he wouldn't make it back to me on the uh, five-six turn, so I wanted to get him. Um, I'm expecting him to get close to 90 catches and seven to nine touchdowns this year. So I like him, and Juju has a quarterback that's coming back, and I, I'm not real confident in that. And Thielen, you know, I'm I'm not totally sold on him um, in terms of uh, what defenses are going to do against him that, where he's. He's got a rookie opposite him, and he's got a couple of tight ends that are pretty good. So I wanted to grab Ridley, and uh, and that's what I going into the draft. He was one of the guys I wanted to target and get if I possibly could. So I'm looking I'm looking at the rest of your team here, Scott, and I don't see any other Falcons. I'm just curiously if you believe the Falcons' offense is going to throw a lot. Uh, have you been targeting, and are you going to target you know guys like Hayden Hurst, Julio Jones, Ridley, Matt Ryan in your other leagues as well? Hurst, I wanted. I wanted to get him, but I just thought the seventh round was a little bit too early to go for him. Um, you know, and, and I wanted Ingram in the fifth round where I took Lockett. That's that's where I wanted Ingram. So that, that changed my draft for three or four rounds, my pros versus Joes, to get, um, you know, I, I was going to target Hurst in like the ninth round where I, where I got Josh Allen, but he was gone in the seventh. So, And I've noticed he's been rising up draft boards in terms of going from uh, nine ten to seven six seven. So, I just thought it was too early to grab Hurst at the at the seven eight turn. But if he was there at the ninth, I would have taken him for sure. He would have been all yours, yeah, absolutely. You yeah, varied things up in, in in the first six rounds here, Scott, because yep. you went you essentially went receiver running back, receiver running back, receiver running back, 
In the seventh, you end up taking a quarterback. You take a tight end, um, your first tight end, off the board at the 801. Now, by my yep. count, I'm, I'm looking at this here. I believe there was, is that 12 tight ends off the board? I got the draft in front of me, and yet I, I, I somehow can't talk to you and, and count at the same time. You know, I was told there would be no math. But in any event, um, I'm just I'm curious. Did you did you feel like the tight ends were just going too high, and the, the, there was better value with the running backs and receivers? Um, I, I just I'm kind of curious on why. Not saying it was wrong, or I, I disagree with the strategy. Just trying to right. get your thoughts on it. Why you think um, uh, tight end in the eighth round was best for you? So I so I wanted Ingram in the fifth, like I said, and had had Josh Hornsby not taken Ingram right before me, that would have been my pick. It would have been Ingram Lockett. And Damian Williams would not have been my pick. Um, so I wanted Ingram. I, I could see getting Ingram in the five six turn. So that that to me was a comfortable spot to take him. But he went just before my five six turn pick. So Hooper would not have been part of my part of my plans. It would have it would have been Ingram in the fifth, Lockett in the sixth, and then I would have taken Russell Wilson in that seven eight turn, and I would have also taken another running back like James White or um, Breida or Coleman or somebody like that. So. That's where where it got sidetracked just a little. So I decided when Ingram went off the board that I would stay on the balance that I that I started um, because I felt I felt like your team needs to be balanced as much as possible to to have a chance and take some upside later on to have a chance to win a pros versus Joe's because you're, you're picking against highly skilled fantasy players. So you're looking at now, Austin Hooper here as your tight end, Scott, and and obviously he was a member of that big Falcons passing attack last year. He's moved yep. on. He's now a Cleveland Brown. Numbers better, worse, this, roughly the same in 2020 as they were in 2019 for him. How do you project him? A little bit worse, a little bit worse because there's so many miles to feed, and Cleveland wants to run the ball a lot. I mean, Stefanski's over there now, so he's the coach. Um, so they're going to look to run Chubb and Hunt. I look at Hope Hooper as more of a red zone target with some catches in the middle of the field, but more end zone target and maybe getting like eight to ten touchdowns in terms of that. Um, they paid him a lot of money, so they're going to use him obviously, and I, I just think that he, he can get three to five catches a week and 60 yards and throw in a touchdown you know, every every other week or, or eight weeks, whatever it may be, but... Um, that's what I was looking at with Hooper, and he was the last one I was really comfortable with in terms of going with the solid tight end and then trying to get the upside with the tight end position later, which I which I think I did um, with Dawson Knox. So that's that's what I was looking at. Scott Kobe, uh, the FFPC Pros versus Joe's Joe, who had the 12 spot in the Thin Lizzy League number three this uh, year, joins us on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Uh, this week, you follow him on Twitter at SJKobe1. Let's talk about uh, Buffalo. You mentioned uh, Dawson Knox. Let's talk about his real-life teammate in John Brown at the 11-12 is where you selected him. He was a, he had a big 2019, actually helped me in a few leagues uh, last year. Do you think he's going too late in drafts despite Buffalo getting Stephon Diggs as their new, you know, quote-unquote, number one wide receiver? I believe so. I believe he should be going somewhere in the eighth, ninth round. He had a great season last year, as, as you said. A great season, and when I had picked Josh Allen, I wanted to get John Brown, and I was fearful he was going to go because I had twenty twenty three picks to, before he came back to me. But I'm targeting him eleventh, um, twelfth round, trying to get him as as many places like Ridley as I possibly can. Um, I just think he'll have another good good year with him. It might take Diggs a little bit with this off season the way it, it hasn't been. So I think Allen might lean on Brown, and, and if he can have he can get off to a good start, it puts anybody that drafts him in a good position in terms of getting off to a good start. And who knows with the season it could you know with the way the COVID's going. Hopefully it's a full season, but nobody ever knows. So getting off to a good start for any fantasy manager is is a, a key. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think quick starts this year are, are, you know, you always like to have them, obviously. I think they're going to be the most important as they have ever been uh, in 2020 for sure. Um, not, not that I want to turn this into a whole Bills conversation, but it, it just it worked out kind of strangely where you get, you know, you get Josh Allen in the ninth, you get John Brown in the 11th, and then you already mentioned it too. You get the Bills tight end Dawson Knox in the, in the uh, 13th, was it? Yeah, 13th. Yes. 
Um, yep. and, and so that's three bills right there. It, just talking to you, it's, it doesn't sound like you necessarily were looking for a Bills stack, um, but but it certainly turned out that way. Did you, I mean, obviously um, in this uh, best ball slim format, that would certainly um, be helpful when the Bills go off. Were you trying to do that or did it just work out that way? It just worked out that way. It just worked out that way. And I had no, no inkling of getting Josh Allen at all. And then when Matt Ryan went a little five picks before, I looked at the quarterbacks and I started saying, well, you know, I like Daniel Jones, but that's a little too early for him. Um, so I took Josh Allen basically for his running and passing, um, you know, and and then John Brown was just there in the 11th, so I, I stacked him up with him. And and then Dawson Knox was there two two rounds later, and I you know I listen to your podcast all the time, and I know you you guys are big Dawson oh, Knox yeah. fans. Yeah, yeah, we are so, fans. So that that kind of stuck in the back of my mind, like you know he is he, he did have a, a decent rookie year, he did have a decent year last year, so uh, let's give it a shot. And then Greg Olson was sitting there two rounds later, so um, I think the tight ends are pretty good, you know, pretty good place for me in terms of the league, so. Scott, when you have drafted in, and not necessarily just the main event, um, but your other leagues, do you find value in that where you grab a court? Well, not, not in any particular order, we'll just say, but where you end up with two receivers and a quarterback or maybe a receiver and a, and a, and a tight end and a quarterback from the same team. Have you found value in that? Have you ever tried doing that? Or have you just always taken the, the attitude of, you know, when you're trying to beat a couple thousand other teams, if it happens that way, it happens that way, but I'm not going to seek it out. More so, if it happens that way, it happens that way, and I'm not looking to seek it out. But there are times, um, like last year in one of my leagues, I drafted Julio and Ridley, and then Matt Ryan was sitting there in like the 13th round. So I took him. And I don't, I don't know how he slipped, but he slipped. So um, that's the only time I really looked at it and said, Matt Ryan's still there. I got the two receivers. Let me take him up and let me try to, to stack it in terms of getting the whole offense. So, But I don't seek it out. I mean, I, I haven't done it a lot. This was one draft I did it, and I didn't seek it out. And the same thing with the Ridley Jones Ryan uh, triumvirate. I didn't seek that out, but it just happened to fall that way. And as you get later in the draft, you see the name up there, and you say, "Wow, I already have Josh Allen, so let me let me pair him up with these two guys, and let's see what happens." Yeah. Because there are going to be times that that they go off um, during games. Um, I can see opening week against the Jets that they they kind of go off. Um, so it, it's it's good to have that stack, you know. Yeah, and then and then the the weeks they don't, you you still have Russell Wilson, you still have Austin Hooper, you get guys like Adams and Lockett and Ridley, so it makes sense too. I mean, it, when when the Bills have the big weeks, they'll uh, they'll pay off and they, they don't necessarily kill you when they when you don't. Scott, I'm assuming after you, this Pros vs. Joe's draft ended, you you look back at at your team and and um, you know sort of took a a long yearning gaze at it to take a deep breath, see what you actually think of it. Did you have a favorite pick or perhaps I, I think I know who the least favorite pick is now, but did you have a favorite <laughs> and the least favorite pick uh, in this draft? <laughs> I could say Damian Williams now, but um, <laughs> yeah. that, that night um, getting Ridley was key for me. So I, you know, the Adams Ridley top two receivers was great for me. And I didn't expect Adams to fall to twelve. But but I'm glad he did. Obviously, um, looking down my draft board now, Anthony Miller was another good pick. I think he's going to have a fantastic year. Um, the Josh Kelly pick in the twelfth round, I think he's going to overtake Justin Jackson. So those those two or three picks right there, I liked a lot. Um, other than Damian Williams, uh, maybe just, the I, I just Sanu, and I don't like. know if this helps you at all. Uh, really, Sanu, you didn't like? Getting them that late was great value. Yeah. I just don't know who the quarterback's going to be in New England because nobody knows right now. Right, yeah. You know, even Belichick came out and said that he might start with a rotation at quarterback. So <laughs> I don't know what that's going to mean for their receivers other than Edelman uh, and James White out of the backfield. But, um, you yeah. know. The other good thing, too, is, it, is at least Nikhil Harry is still stinking it up. So the, the opportunity's going to be there for Sanu, it sounds like. Absolutely, absolutely. And, the, you know, the Hyde pick, I probably wish I had gone with Damian Harris because he seems to be getting a lot of play in New England right now. So um, maybe switching those two off 
would have been something that I looked at because nobody knows when Michelle's coming back or even if he's going to start. I wonder what the what, what the over-under is for Carlos Hyde top 12 running back weeks this year because you know he's going to have a couple of them with, with Carson. Yes. You know what I mean? I wonder what it would be. Um, be uh, and, and, again, a best ball slim, I mean, that could be very helpful for you. You may only need Hyde for like a week Absolutely. or two, you know? Absolutely. That was one of the upside plays late, later in the draft that I wanted to try was Carlos Hyde because he's coming off a great year last year. Um, so if Carson has family problems and they take him out, put Hyde in, who knows, Hyde goes for 60 yards and a touchdown or two, and, and that's that's phenomenal for my te- for my week. So. Um, okay, so let's talk Chiefs running backs. Now, th- this draft took place before the Clyde Edwards-Alaire insanity took place. He fell yeah. in, uh, to the, let's see, 307 Rich Rebar from Sharp Football, took him in this draft. But this yep. is pre- obviously pre Damian Williams opting out. Now he's out. Yeah. If if you are you know going to be drafting in the main event, if you are going to be drafting in in other leagues before the season starts, Scott, how high are you willing to take Clyde Edwards-Helaire? And are you interested in any of the other Chiefs running backs? Uh, I have an interest in DeAndre Washington for sure. Um, in terms of Clyde Edwards-Helaire, I'd probably say anywhere from seven to nine. I would take him right now. Um, so you're going as far rookie. as running backs go. You're taking McCaffrey, Barkley, Elliott, Kamara, Cook. Those guys are all solidly in front of Edwards Alaire for you. Exactly. And before the Sanders news today, where he's hurt now, right? Um, and nobody it, supposedly he's coming back. But you know that's that's you know maybe the Sanders Henry and Alaire. That's what I'm looking at in terms of seven, eight, nine. Um, you know that that turn right there. Probably in one of those spots, I would take him. Um, and hopefully he, he picks up pass protection and all that other stuff. But that's where I'd look to take him, uh, mid mid to starting to get late in the first round. So, I mean, I've seen him go as high as three, and that that to me three is not not no good. You're drafting him. Out. You're drafting him at his ceiling, basically. You know, and yeah, I mean, yes, yeah. exactly. there's not much value there anymore. We should talk about Miles exactly. Sanders here uh, for a little bit because you know I, I know they list him as week to week. Um, I can't remember who it was. There was some. I think it was the Eagles ESPN reporter said he spoke to some source that said he's going to be good to go week one. Now this is interesting because we are not going to see Miles Sanders at all scrimmages, practices, anything. And we're not probably not going to get any updates on his health until the start of the season. So Scott, where are you taking Miles Sanders now? At what point in the draft where he falls, at what point are you going to select him because the value is too good to pass up? I'd say anywhere from the 12 spot in the first round to mid-second round, simply because you, you don't know how he's going to be. You don't, you don't know. You know, all teams say he's going to be ready to go, you know, stuff like that, and then all of a sudden he's not ready to go for a week or two. You know, he has a setback. You know, he tries to practice the week before uh, week one, and he has a setback, and you've drafted him, say, seventh, and now you're sitting there, no Boston Scott, no – you know, so you're kind of stuck. So I, I think he would drop to late first round, 11, 12, into mid-second round. And that that's where I would be comfortable taking him now. Until he gets some clarification, obviously. If they come out and say it's a hamstring and, you know, I'm drafting, the, I'm drafting my main events a week before the season starts and he's on the practice field and he's practicing, no setbacks, then I, I'm fine taking him in 7, 8, 9. But right now, late to mid-second round. You know, late first round, mid second round is where I'm looking at him. I'm always wary about, you know, I, I've gone back and forth on this philosophy, and I don't know if you have a, a leaning one way or the other. I, I used to not necessarily care about guys who are hurt coming into the season because you can kind of project what week he'll be back. Um, yep. and, and then I did a 180 um, and said, no, I'm, I'm done. I'm not picking guys who are already hurt coming into the season. This is a rough game. They're going to get hurt worse. I'm done. Then I flipped back on that and said, well, you know, they take care of their bodies. They'll be fine eventually. You just got to take them at the right spot. And A.J. Green burned me last year in a couple of leagues. You know, it was just super frustrating for that. I still don't know how I feel about it. And and Sanders could be that type of guy where, I mean, if he is hurt coming into the season, I still don't know if if I could take him in the second round, especially when guys like, you know, Eckler or Aaron Jones or, or, you know, whoever is, is in front of him. You know what I mean? But... I mean, I've seen – we had Miles Sanders go at the 101 in a football guy's draft. 
already wow. this season. Yeah, I mean, again, you're picking the guy at the ceiling, but this speaks yeah. to the upside of what we're seeing. He is going to be a conundrum. I, th- I feel like if you get him right, um, uh, you can really set your team up for a potential $500,000 payday. If you get him exactly. wrong, your team could be dead in the water this year. Exactly. I had T.Y. Hilton last year. This is another perfect example. Right. He got hurt. Yep. He, he was out, and it was down, It was getting toward playoffs. And he, he was out for, what, three, four weeks, whatever he was out for. And when he came back, he wasn't the same. So that messed me up in my playoffs. So I tend to shy away from guys that get hurt. I mean, I just I just tend to shy away from it. If he's going to have a 1,500-yard rushing season and, and – 12 touchdowns, so be it. But I, I'm safety in that in that first and second round. I'll let somebody else take him, and hopefully he doesn't he doesn't pay off like a lot of other people thought he would earlier in the off season. So sometimes I I, I mean I, I listen. I, I respect pro athletes. They're great. They're the toughest people in the world. Sometimes I wish they weren't so tough because they try to right. gut it out and they, yeah. they they can't perform up to their pedigree. And or they hurt it worse, and and then now you're dealing like Alvin Kamara last year. We we talked about him on the show a couple of weeks ago, where you know he got hurt week six, and then just tried to play through it, and he is just a shell of himself. But what are you gonna are you gonna sit Kamara? They were still giving him fifteen twenty touches a game. He can't sit him. Right. Um, it's yep. just, it's just it's it's super frustrating. Um, and those things are tricky. Those hamstring and knee injuries, they're tricky things. Yeah, and, yes they are. You know, so you really. You really you have to put him in, but you're like, oh, I hope I get 17 points from him this week because I need it, and you get three, or he goes oh, out yeah. after the first series. Like David Johnson last year, another perfect example. You know, plays the first four weeks is great. Fifth week, he goes out against the Giants. He goes out, and you screwed because the rest of the year he 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 was done for. So whoever drafted him high was 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 totally messed up the whole season. So. Let's keep talking about running backs here. Uh, the Buccaneers, after we talked about, oh, is it Ronald Jones? Is it Keshawn Vaughn? Well, the Buccaneers screwed up even more for fantasy owners. They had LaShawn McCoy to the mix. Has right. your opinion changed of Jones or Vaughn uh, since the McCoy edition? More so Vaughn than Jones. Jones, I, I think, is going to be the starting back in uh, Tampa Bay. And I think he's going to produce um, just all the reports in the offseason and early here. Have have said that he's he's done really well. So, and if Brady's going to lean on anybody, he's probably going to lean on Ronald Jones. So McCoy, I think, is more of a of a goal line back. Maybe if they get down to the one or two, they'll put him in, try to score the touchdown. Um, he can catch a few passes, but my opinion hasn't changed. I mean, Kansas City didn't play him the you know late in the season, so I don't know how much he's got left in the tank. I don't know how much you know how much this off season of nothing has has hurt or helped him. But I don't see McCoy as a hindrance to Jones at all. I think Jones is going to have a solid season. Yeah, I mean, McCoy's got some juice left in his legs, but it's like that last sip of juice at the bottom of your glass where there's, you know, <laughs> there's, just, there's just not much left. Um, we, we talked about this earlier, um, and I want to touch on it again. Are you taking any – I mean, obviously you took Mohamed Sanu in this pros versus Joes draft. But in yep. in any of your other leagues, are you taking any receivers not named Julian Edelman that play on New England? Not really. I mean, I'm from New England too, and I'm a Patriots fan, and I I just don't know what's going on with their quarterbacks. Like I said, so you know, yet report one day Hoyer looks great, the next day Cam's got zip and his arm is lively. <laughs> right. So you, you don't know what to you know you don't know what to believe, and they haven't made a decision yet. And Belichick loves Stidham from from everything I've read. He loves him. So, you know, I'm sure Cam's going to get in there at some point and start a majority of the games. But until that happens, I haven't taken Sanu. I took Harry in one draft. I took Sanu in the pros versus Joes. And that that's it. That's it. You know, James White is the, is the guy I've taken the most in any, any uh, draft. So... How far, you know, we, we saw this report, Mike Reese from ESPN, we, we touched on this earlier too, about Belichick potentially having rotating quarterbacks at least to start the season. Does that knock Cam Newton down your board? Or would you be looking at other quarterbacks that are, you know, quote-unquote guaranteed to get all the snaps um, ahead of Cam Newton now? No doubt. No doubt, definitely. I'd be looking at a Big Ben um, before him. I'd be looking at, 
you know. What about Stafford? Stafford. Yeah, I'd look at Stafford too. Stafford's got some weapons around him. You know, and this DeAndre Swift, supposedly they're talking him up like he's going to be the next Alvin Kamara in Detroit. Okay. Not that I'm going to believe it, but um, he was great before he got injured last year. His first eight weeks were phenomenal. He was the number two or three quarterback, I think, in fantasy in the first eight weeks. And then he got hurt. So, you know, Galladay's another guy I'm, t- I'm trying to target early, too, if I can get him. So um, I love Stafford this year. I mean, Goff, too. Goff might have to throw a lot, depending on the running back. So I'd be looking at him over Cam. So Cam's down in 16, 17 range for me right now. Yeah, Goff's so, interesting, too. I, you bring him up because, you know, people are starting to talk up Josh Reynolds a little bit. They obviously still have Cup and Woods. And those two tight ends, you know, Everett and um, and uh, Higby, not to mention, yep. you know, Akers out of the backfield, too. So I, I think there's a lot right. to like about Jared Goff this year. Scott, final question uh, for you this week uh, before we let you go and, and get back to enjoying life here. A player that you've been avoiding in the first few rounds in all your drafts so far or that you will continue to avoid, and then a player that you're actually looking at acquiring in the mid to late rounds. So the, the player I'm avoiding is, is Leonard Fournette, simply because uh, G, uh, Gruden is down there, now Jay Gruden is down there. Um, he's not going to catch as many balls as he did last year. That's what they brought Chris Thompson in for. Um, and I don't know how much they're going to run. They're going to get down in a lot of games, so they're going to be throwing a lot. So I don't really know how much after, say, halftime he's going to he's going to get um, in terms of production. Uh, Levy and Bell, I throw him in there too. Those so those two right there. Same thing. A lot of lot of running backs. You know, Gore's there. Gates loves Gore. So how much is that going to affect Bell? Um, that's to be seen. But those two guys, I'm avoiding. In terms of mid round guys, I warmed up to Marquise Brown a little oh, bit. Oh yeah, yep, yeah. From Baltimore. Um, you know, Gallup is another guy if I can get him, and Gesicki, those three guys, you know, and Russell Wilson. I've targeted Russell Wilson a ton this year. And uh, I just think he's going to throw the ball more. I just think that they're going to play fast tempo, uh, up up speed, you know, they're going to speed up the game. That's what Russell Wilson wants. That's what, he, that's what he's come out with. Yeah, I, I think and, this, this whole thing of, of let's smash our running backs into the line for the first three quarters and then let Wilson – run wild and try to win the game for us in the fourth. I, I don't think that's a, a smart strategy from Seattle. And I'll tell you why I think it's different this year, and you probably would agree. Um, I know they haven't signed Antonio Brown. They haven't signed Josh Gordon. But, yep. you know, the fact that these guys are constantly mentioned as players that Seattle might sign, to me that signifies a little bit of a shift in, th- in, in thinking that, that maybe this offense is going to open up. Why are you talking about – or why are these guys being talked about as potential additions to Seattle if they're not going to throw the ball more? You know, it just makes sense that if there's smoke there, there's probably fire. And I think Russell Wilson, I mean, he, you know, you never know how these guys are going to end up. Maybe Russell Wilson's the number one overall quarterback. But I think of that next, like, tier between him and Kyler Murray and Prescott and Watson, I think Wilson is is probably the guy that um, maybe doesn't necessarily have the ceiling that Dak Prescott does, but... Man, he might be the safest guy out of those four, and he could put up some big numbers for you this year. Yeah, and the two, and the two things I, I believe I read that Gordon is still in Seattle. He's been there all off season, so they've gotten a look at him and stuff like that. So, if they're going to sign anybody, it's probably going to be Josh Gordon. One and two, my feeling is Russell Wilson's the the most clutch quarterback in the NFL. When you, when you need somebody to drive down the field and and get a touchdown and get you in the end zone. He's the type of guy that can do it with his legs and his arm. So he's a two-pronged danger threat to everybody, and he's, he's a top-six quarterback for a reason in terms of fantasy. And like I said, I try to get him anywhere I possibly can. Just don't let him throw of, the football at, at the one-yard line uh, with the Super Bowl <laughs> in the hanging in the balance. Other than that, you're probably right about being a clutch quarterback for sure. Right? Absolutely, absolutely. No doubt, no doubt. Scott, this has been awesome. I, I really am glad we got you on the show this week. I want to thank you for uh, for all the insight that you brought, and um, I just enjoyed talking fantasy with you, man. Good luck in pros versus Joes. Good luck in the main event, uh, for sure, in all your leagues this year. And uh, and we'll, we'll talk to you again soon, man. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you, Balky. Take care.
Want to welcome in one of our longtime favorite guests on the show tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, a guy that, um, well, he needs no introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyway. He's got 30 years plus fantasy experience, operates one of the longest running fantasy football information websites since 1996. His primary claim to fame, the fact that he won the SI.com Experts League for four consecutive years in the only four years that they had that league. He's the CEO and president of Fantasy Football Mastermind Incorporated. Follow him on Twitter at FFMastermind. Check out the website, FFMastermind.com. Please welcome back onto the HSFF Hour, Mr. Mike Nazarek. Mike, how are you? I'm doing great, Eric. Thank you for inviting me once again. It's always a pleasure to be on the on the air with you guys. So you and Chris Rito, are you guys doing an experts like slow draft right now um, with, with the FF Mastermind brand? We sure are. It's uh, part of FanX. Fantasy Experts League. It's been around for a long, long time. About the time that I started the website, and uh, it's, it's it's been very exciting to uh, to draft uh, during these strange days. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got to keep ourselves busy somehow. That's one way to do it. Um, so one. Of, so you've had a lot of success in the FFPC Pros versus Joe's competition over the years, and you were in it once again this year. I want to talk about this draft right away since since you have been one of the more successful pros at it. And it probably contributes. Well, I'll ask you this right off the top of my, uh, you know, right at, uh, off the top, uh, Mike. You have you normally play in the FFPC main event, um, you and you've gotten in other FFPC leagues. I feel like that, that probably kind of gives you a leg up having that experience over some of these other pros, right? Oh, definitely. I've been playing with you guys ever since the beginning. Uh, I would not miss it. Um, you know, it doesn't it doesn't matter what the the, the climate that we're in right now. Uh, I'm really excited to draft uh, my my two teams. I have two teams in the main event this year. Usually, I do multiple teams. Uh, you know, and I'm I'm really excited about it. Yeah, and you've had success in the main event too uh, in the past. How, have you won? You I know you've won multiple main event leagues, right? Over the years? Uh, yes, I did. I was fortunate uh, to own Mr. McCaffrey in one of the leagues last year and didn't have very many injuries on that team. We ended up winning that league. I placed third in another team uh, and cashed out last year. And uh, I think back in 2014, I was very fortunate to finish, I believe we finished 15th overall in the entire event. And that was very exciting. That was OBJ's uh, rookie year. And uh, me being a big Giants fan, uh, he's no longer a Giant, of course. I'm kind of upset about that. But for that year, it was golden. I, I, ha I got to not only cheer my team on, but see what he did and actually help me win some money in the FFPC. So for the second straight year in pros versus Joe's, with your first overall pick, you go with Alvin Kamara. This time you took him at four. I'm just kind of wondering, because I like Kamara quite a bit this year, how, how difficult of a decision was that? Were you considering Michael Thomas, Dalvin Cook, perhaps somebody else there, or were you locked and loaded with Kamara? Uh, I actually considered uh, Michael Thomas. Uh, in fact, because I had Kamara last year and he disappointed, but at the end of the year when he finally got his legs and knees and knee healthy, uh, you know, he scored four touchdowns in the final two weeks of the season. And I looked back in, at his history and I said, this this kid is too good to be uh, to be projected as low as a lot of people have. And I had him a little bit lower. And it's funny, about a week before the draft, I just kind of redid his projections and, and moved him back up. And he just kind of slotted in there at the four pick. Obviously, if any of the top three that went would have slid to me, uh, I would have taken him. But uh, right there, uh, the running back is too important to pass. In, the, in this situation, and so I was very happy to get Kamara when I did. Yeah, I like him there, too, uh, for, for a lot of the reasons you just said. In fact, if I was faced with a similar decision, I love Michael Thomas just like you, but I think, um, you know, w with receivers, um, you, you can kind of find value later, and um, you're not going to get a playmaker uh, and, and difference maker like Kamara at the 104 too often. Uh, or you're not going to find guys like that later on in the draft for sure. Uh, shifting conferences here. There's a new coach in Cleveland, Kevin Stefanski. He's installed a new offense for the Browns there as well. You got a piece of that offense uh, at the 609 in pros versus Joe's in Jarvis Landry. He's coming off the hip surgery. Been pretty positive uh, on the reports uh, about that, uh, about him uh, coming off that uh, surgery. What, what, what's sort of your take on what your expectations are for him this year? Well, uh, you know, of course, he, he led the team last year because Mayfield had such a hard time getting the football to OBJ. I think he's going to have a little more success doing that. But actually, I think that that's going to open things up a little bit more for Jarvis under the middle. 
uh, on on the shorter routes, and of course they they signed Austin Hooper there. So, uh, but I, I think that you can't go wrong with somebody that is either going to lead the team again, I think, or come very close to. And he's just a target hog. He's a catch, you know, just like Julio Jones doesn't score touchdowns, right? But he always catches over 100 passes. Well, you know, Jarvis might not catch 100 passes in Cleveland, but I think he's going to catch at least 80, and that's uh, certainly good enough to be, I believe, uh, drafting what is it, as my number three in this in this league. Yeah, I, I I believe that's correct. I'm bringing it up right now. I just had it up, and and I now all of a sudden it's gone for whatever reason. But I believe that is right. Um, with you know, obviously we know Beckham's there, and you know they they bring in Hooper. Um, they, they draft the, the tight end, and obviously Chubb and and um, and Kareem Hunter are, are going to be catching passes there as well. Uh, the thing with Landry is he's kind of got a, a pretty high floor, maybe a limited ceiling, but I think there's there's a warm fuzziness to drafting a guy like that where, you know, you don't necessarily need him to be a league winner. You just need him to be him, right? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm looking at this like he's probably going to catch anywhere between four and six passes a game, 40, 50 yards. That's a solid 10. And uh, in, in this in this system, for your third wide receiver, which is a flex player, uh, if you're rolling out somebody that's going to get 10, 12 points every every week, then uh, I'd be very happy with that. Another player on another team that did that last year was James White in New England, everybody's favorite number three running back, or my favorite number three, but a lot of other people didn't like him because, well, he's not the guy in New England or whatever. But when you roll out somebody that puts you double digits every week in a flex position, then you're one step ahead of the game. Uh, talking with uh, Mike Nazarick here from ffmastermind.com. You follow him on Twitter at ffmastermind. So let's talk about um, what, what you did at running back here. You wait. You obviously get the two early guys, Kamara in the first. You get Le'Veon Bell in the fourth. Then you wait until what? Well, I'm looking at it right here. Round eight, I want to say. No, round nine. Excuse me. And round get, nine. Yeah, round round nine. You get Lindsey. Round eleven. You get Duke Johnson. So. I don't. I hesitate to use the term handcuff for either one of those guys because I think they're more than that, and I think they have some standalone value. How concerned are you at the number three, your number three running back, given this format and and given um, how your backfield ended up shaping up? Well, uh, first of all, this is the best ball format, so you can kind of take the good with the good and the good with the bad, right? Uh, it, when he has a good game like Philip Lindsay and Duke Johnson, when they show up and all, they're going to probably score for you for your team. And when they don't, they don't. Well, hopefully you have enough depth that you can get the points from somewhere else. But it goes hand-in-hand hand with the FFPC because I drafted Zach Ertz. I love to draft him. I've had him almost every year for the last two or three years. Uh, and I got him in the third. I got Jared Cook. Uh, I, I value a number two tight end very, very much a lot in this format at, in the seven pick. And then Matt Ryan uh, was one of my favorite uh, targets at quarterback in the eighth. So that left the ninth. And you're looking at players like Philip Lindsay and, and Duke Johnson. But, uh, you know, Melvin Gordon has already been having a little bit of trouble with the altitude in Denver. Uh, they've been sharing snaps equally there. I think that still Gordon is going to start and see most of the snaps. But maybe Philip Lindsay might get 35, 40% of the touches there. And the kid is so damn darn fast. <laughs> you know, I think he's going to put up more than enough points for me to keep me uh, uh, competitive in this system. And the same way with Duke Johnson, uh, David Johnson, he's just not the back that he used to be. Yes, I think he's better than what he was last year because he was injured mo- most of the year. But I think that Duke Johnson is going to do more than what people may think he do- does. And he is the solid two-, two there. And it's almost a 1A, 1B there with uh, David Johnson and, and I. I- under the circumstances, when you go tight end, tight end early in the first seven rounds, two tight ends, and you go uh, tie, uh, t- uh, quarterback in the eighth, you're going to suffer a little bit of quality there uh, in the ninth. But I'm, I'm okay with the guys that I got. Yeah, and, and two, not only do those guys have some standalone fantasy value, if Melvin Gordon or David Johnson were to you know, get bit by the COVID bug or they go down exactly. with injury, all of a sudden Lindsay and Duke Johnson are looking like top 10 options. So certainly kudos to you there for sure. You know, you, t- you mentioned the format here. Now, previously, we've always had the FFPC pros versus Joes as a 28-round best ball format with kickers, with defenses. This year, it's switched to an 18-round uh, draft with no kickers no defenses. So knowing that and preparing for it, what do you think the biggest challenge was for you, Mike, in in shifting from the 28-rounder to the 18-rounder? Well, I think, believe it or not, I I actually prefer this format – 
because I found myself dragging in around 24, 25, 26, <laughs> looking for that sleeper, that deep sleeper. Oh, my gosh. I remember one year that I actually did well, and I believe I won the league. I had like three Packer wide receivers, and one of them was Ty Montgomery, who became the running back due to injury. And sometimes you just get lucky when you're drafting from a, a, that deep into a draft. But the thing is, when, you ha- when, when you're drafting here, you still need three quarterbacks because last year I drafted Andrew Luck, and, you know, about a week before he retired – and Drew Brees got injured, and my third was Fitzpatrick at the very end. And, uh, you know, he didn't come on until a little bit uh, later in the season and actually start there. And, uh, you know, so, so uh, it probably cost me a little bit there, and I really love to his potential, by the way, in, the, in this draft. Anyway, three tight ends is also a must because you can get injuries there too. So the question becomes, how do you break down the running back and wide receiver positions? And I went with a balance, six players at each uh, running back and wide receiver, and hopefully I've, I've covered myself enough to stay competitive. Let's talk about um, the, the quarterback situation. Now, the, with the pros and Joes I've talked to about this format, and not just pros and Joes, but some of the, the FFPC uh, high-stakes players that have drafted in the slim format this year, um, some of them talk about getting an early quarterback. You know, Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, you know, I think are the top two this year, clearly. And then um, just getting somebody late, you know, with a different bye week. And, and then just being done with the position with those two. Now, you went the other way, um, because this is the other popular way I, I, I've heard from a lot of players who drafted in this. They went, you go with three. And, 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 and with you, I wouldn't say you took an early round one. I, I wouldn't say that Matt Ryan in, in the eighth round is early. But you also get Daniel Jones. You also get, as you mentioned, Tua Tungabailoa. And you have the three quarterbacks there. Talk a little bit about why you, you decided to get the, why it was more important for you to get three quarterbacks here sort of in the middle of the draft rather than getting an early one and adding a late one. Well, first of all, I want to congratulate you on pronouncing uh, to his last name. I'm not even going to attempt to do that. <laughs> but, but you know, like you said, unless I'm a home slide to like the fourth round, and that's just not happening. I'm seeing him being drafted in the late first in some of these drafts, which I think is a little crazy. But I will likely wait into to draft a guy like Ryan or maybe a Matthew Stafford in the middle of rounds eight, nine, ten, eleven, something like that. It also depends on uh, uh, when other drafters start drafting quarterbacks. Because last year when I drafted after Breeze, it was in the middle of like an eight quarterback player run that I had never seen before. It was just crazy. Um, but last year uh, in, in, in the FFPC, one of my drafts, I ended up targeting Dak Prescott. Got him very, very late, 9th, 10th, 11th round. I can't remember exactly what round it was, but you know, he's top three, top four quarterback there. So, uh, you know, he helped, helped win me some, a lot of money in the FFPC. And uh, the thing here is that it's so important, the tight ends, the, 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 the scoring, one and a half point per tight end catch, uh, and it's also PPR, and you dual flex too. Quarterbacks, unless you just – really nail one early, and Mahomes, everyone thought Mahomes was going to do it again, and good look what happened, he got hurt and all. Then what happened with Lamar Jackson? It's the people that waited till around 12, 13, 14 to grab Lamar Jackson. They're the ones that end up winning a lot of money in this event because they, they he outperformed, way outperformed significantly his, his position. And you can get that a lot of years, and it's not just maybe one or two players. Like Dak Prescott outdid his performance and helped me win, and I didn't have to have Lamar Jackson to win. So I don't think you really have to have Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson this year. And odds on when you have a season like the way Lamar Jackson had, there's going to be some regressions in the mean there. They're going to take his running ability more seriously. He's not going to have the all-out success that he had last year. It might not be so bad, but when you're spending a second or third round pick or maybe even a first round pick on somebody like that, you need to make sure that you get somebody that can have that much of a difference. And it's just not, it's just not guaranteed at the quarterback position. Just staying on this quarterback topic last year for tight ends, I'm going to use this as an example. We saw that the big three at tight end were really Kelsey Kittle and Zach Ertz. And then I think if you look at drafts this year, um, you, you've seen Mark Andrews join that top tier and maybe Darren Waller is just on the outside looking in. Um, this year, you have Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes being the top two quarterbacks. Is there another guy, uh, another quarterback that could join them on the 2021 Tier 1 drafting, or, you know, drafting tier uh, uh, for quarterbacks with, with Mahomes Jackson? Is it Murray? Is it Prescott? Is it somebody else? Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson? Do you see anybody else ascending to that level um, where, where they could be in the, you know, the elite of the elite for drafts next year, Mike? Well, you're, I've already mentioned him, Dak Prescott. Who else has the motivation because he's playing on the franchise tag? 
and he gets C.D. Lamb, which is one of the best rookie wide receivers coming out of college in years. And uh, I love me some Jerry Judy. C.D. Lamb's just as good or even better. And you pair him with Michael Gallup and uh, and Amari Cooper. Uh, you know, uh, it, it Blake, even Blake Jarwin's underrated there. Uh, the whole team is set up to have a really huge passing game uh, if they can all stay healthy. And uh, I can see Dak Prescott putting up 35-plus touchdowns this year. Uh, and if he pushes 40, who knows? I mean, yeah, then then people would say, oh, well, we gotta have you know gotta have put him in that in elite tier too. And if somebody like Mahomes or Jackson gets hurt and struggles, then Prescott might ascend to the top. It's not out of the uh, out of the question. Let's talk about the Atlanta Falcons um, ground game here. We we heard the reports that you know a beat reporter said that that he saw Todd Gurley limping. Uh, the Falcons have already made it pretty clear that they're going to make sure that Gurley's um, reps in the preseason will be managed and maybe that'll bleed over into the regular season. You get Ito Smith in your pros versus Joe's draft in the 15th round. I'm kind of curious what kind of production, knowing this, these reports on Gurley, what kind of production you think you're going to get from Ito Smith in 2020, Mike? Yeah, I knew Gurley's knees were a big issue. Obviously, you could see that when the Rams cut him and didn't want to pay the money he wants. And then, of course, the, the Falcons signed him. And, of course, they, they couldn't uh, officially sign him until they get him in for a physical because of COVID and all that. And yet they get him in there. And then what happens the start of camp and all after he passed the test? He's being limited in camp. They're going to be careful with him. You know, I'm like the same thing is happening, you know, happened in the past. It's happening now. I'm not saying that Gurley's not going to have a good year and all, but I just don't see him, you know, carrying 20, 20 totes a game and being able to sustain that. And the backup guy right now is Edo Smith. I know he's coming off an injury, but he's healthy now. And uh, this is where you take advantage of drafting a backup to somebody with a questionable injury history. That, if, like you say, if Gurley goes down, then Edo Smith, if he's healthy, I think he's going to start and carry the load for that team. And that team's very explosive offensively, and I can see him scoring a lot of t- lots of touchdowns. And it's players like this, if they come through, just like Ty Montgomery becoming a running back and starting for the Packers, Edo Smith all of a sudden stepping right in there, and if he's consistently producing yards and touchdowns for weeks and maybe even a month or a month or two during the season, this can put you over the top and win you a title. Yeah, I'm kind of intrigued by Smith a little bit, too. I I, I have Gurley in the Scott Fishbowl uh, draft this year, and then I, I had the opportunity to draft him or Brian Hill, and I went with Ito Smith instead of Hill late just because I, I just feel like he's the more explosive player. Uh, he's the type of guy that, you know, he's nobody's going to replace a, a healthy Todd Gurley, but he's the type of guy that can step in on that Falcons offense you know, get 70, 75% of the total touches in that backfield. And then when you consider the, the weaponry with Hurst and Jones and Ridley and Ryan around him, there's there's a lot of potential there. Um, and, and certainly that was one of my favorite picks of yours uh, in this draft. Mike, what about you? Did you have a favorite pick of yours when you sat back and looked at your roster when it was all said and done? No, I'm a little bit of a homer because I lived in Alabama for 30 years, so I watched all their games, and Tua is just fantastic. He's a fantastic talent, and I think he's almost a generational talent. So I'm not saying he's going to produce right away because, you know, he's got to develop chemistry, of course, with Devonta Parker and Preston Williams hopefully is uh, coming off the ACL injury. And, of course, they've had a couple of opt-outs and all. They try to, to stem that with Chester Rogers signing over there. But if he can stay healthy, I think Tua, uh, if he shows enough in, in the, uh, I was going to say in the preseason, there is no, in scrimmages <laughs> and in practicing. Right. Uh, I think that he's going to start from week one. I think if, he, he's, if he's healthy, uh, you know, I think he's going to produce enough of uh, enough big games to help my squad stay competitive uh, for most of the season, if not if not all of it. I'm really excited to see him play in the NFL. I wish he was at Alabama, being a big Bama fan, but this is the next best deal, and this is not the first time I've drafted him. Uh, Chris Rito and I drafted two as our number three quarterback in Panex. Uh, just today. So we're, we're excited about seeing what Tua can do in Miami. Hey, as, as long as we're talking about Miami, uh, over the last two days in the Football Guys Players Championship, uh, Devontae Parker's been going off the board as the 27th wide receiver in at the 604. Uh, conversely, Preston Williams uh, has been going as wide receiver 49 in the at the 11-12 turn, essentially. Do you like one of those values more so than the other with, with Parker and Williams, considering that Williams is going essentially you know, five-plus rounds later? Well, Parker is, is a talent. He's finally showing what he can do. But I think it is a little bit more of a risk there because you have to see what Tua is going to do early in the season there. But when you're drafting uh, Preston Williams, and it's funny, I'm, I'm looking at my rankings right now, my PPR rankings, and I have him at number 49. So that, <laughs> that's Dialed exactly in. where I think he should go. 
And guess what? Also in Fanex, Rito and I drafted him as our, uh, let's see, uh, yeah, in, uh, let's see, I've, I've got it right here. I've got so many draft charts in front of me. <laughs> our number six wide receiver, yeah, and, and we got him late in like round 15 or so. Um, and, in fact, uh, there was a guy that was drafting two spots behind us, and he sent out one of those lovely emails that you love to get. He goes, oh, man, I was going to draft him. <laughs> so we snaked Preston Williams from somebody. So definitely I think the value there is, is Preston Williams, of course. But I think both of them could have very good years if all three of the guys, including two, of course, stay healthy for Miami. Would you lump uh, Mike Jasicki in that as well? You know, if, if Tungavailoa is healthy enough, uh, is Jasicki in for a big year as well, in your opinion? I wouldn't, I'm not saying I would say uh, big, but he's definitely on my sleeper radar. And Got the fact is, is that he's, he's going late enough in drafts where you can draft him uh, certainly as a number two in FFPC format uh, and possibly get a little bit better value there. Um, let's move on, and, and, and I want to ask you just sort of in general, you know, what, what you've been doing in drafts this year. Who's a guy that, that you and, and Chris, or, or just you specifically, Michael, you know, that, that you – will not be taking, that you have gone out of your way to avoid, and then uh, a guy that, that you have been targeting as when, you know, when drafts reach the middle point, when drafts reach the final few rounds, a sleeper that you've been trying to get on a bunch of your teams. Well, I've already mentioned Todd Gurley. I don't have him on any of my teams. I haven't had him on any of my teams in like three years. In fact, I like to say that year that he had the big, huge games at the end of the year. Uh, uh, fortunately, I had Ertz on that team, FFPC, and my satellite. I was in the finals, and uh, I was I was down, I think, by about 20, 23 points going into to the Monday night game, and my opponent had gotten a huge game out of Todd Gurley, and it was like 38 points or something like that. And I needed, I think, 23 out of Ertz, and I got 25. And I won by two points, and I'm like, that's the team that beat the Todd Gurley team because almost all over the Internet, and especially on Twitter and all, everyone's like, I got the Gurley team. I, I won my team, uh, my, my game handily, my championship. So but because just simply because of his knees, I, don't, don't get me wrong, if he makes it through the entire season and, and by some miracle runs for, you know, uh, 17, 20 carries a game and, and, and catches passes the way he used to, I just don't think it's going to happen. Uh, you know, and I think the Falcons are smart not to overwork him. Uh, he may have a decent year, but I just he, he's just off my off my draft board completely. On the opposite side, for a wide receiver, uh, somebody that we haven't talked about because I don't want to go over the same players and all. Obviously, like Preston Williams and such. But I, I I like what Robbie Anderson brings to the Carolina offense. There, it just depends on how he uh, develops chemistry uh, quicker or slower, or whatnot. Hopefully, it's quicker than slower uh, with Teddy Bridgewater because Bridgewater really showed what he can do now. He's completely healthy as a same quarterback. I know they got Curtis Samuel there, but they want to do different things with Curtis, including getting him back in the return game and all. And and Robbie Anderson is more than just a one-trick pony. Uh, I think the Jets should have re-signed him. Uh, they didn't. Uh, what's good for Carolina is bad for the Jets. But for fantasy owners, drafting Robbie Anderson late as a five or six wide receiver, you could do a lot worse than that. So are you are you sort of down? I mean, I know he's going late, but are, are based on liking Robbie Anderson, are you sort of down on Curtis Samuel then as a fantasy pick? Not necessarily. I've got them ranked fairly close together. I, I just seem to like uh, Anderson a little bit better. Also, he's going just a little bit later because there's the unknown. He's on a new team and all. And I think he's got, maybe got a little bit more talent. And, and, and if anyone's going to catch a 50-yard touchdown pass from Teddy Bridgewater in that, and on that team, it's probably going to be Anderson, not Samuel. Um, sticking on that team, DJ Moore blew up last year, had a fantastic season. Um, he and that was you know with with the Drek that was throwing him the the football last year that wasn't Cam Newton this year he gets Teddy Bridgewater I'm just kind of curious given the price that you have to pay for him going at that three four turn Mike has has that has DJ Moore been a guy that you've added on any of your teams or his has he been a guy that you've kind of you know you've gone with maybe Odell Beckham Ari Cooper Adam Thielen in that type area. Uh, the, the other players, really, and for the reasons that you that you look, uh, I, I just think that he's got a lot of talent there. It is a new quarterback, and the situation is kind of a little bit unstable because you're bringing in Anderson. Is that going to take the looks away from more? Uh, I'm not quite sure there, but uh, yeah, I'm thinking back, and it's I've been like five or six drafts already, and none of them have DJ Moore. It's just it has not has not happened. I've I've got Thielen on one team, I've got Amari Cooper on one team, I've got Cooper Cup on one or two teams. It's just 
the way it's happened, and usually Moore's been going a couple of picks before my pick. I just don't kind of see it this year, but I could be wrong. No one's perfect, you know? <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Well, you've been right more than you've been wrong over the years. Right? I think that goes without saying. And the reason I know this is because of all the work that you've done over at ffmastermind.com. I just want to give you a chance here uh, as we are basically three weeks uh, away from the start of the NFL season, really sneaking up on everybody this year. Um, just to kind of tell the listeners what you got going on at FF Mastermind, what they can enjoy uh, over there when they become a subscriber. Well, some people might call us the old school of fantasy football information websites because we've been around since 1996. We've updated the website uh, uh, more than a few times over the years. But I can't believe that it's been 25 years of doing this online and trying to help people win. Uh, we all we uh, we all offer the usual draft guide, the drafting software, weekly newsletters, and all. And you're not going to see any kind of fancy stuff at all. We don't we don't have an app on the site. I know I, I might get around to doing it and all. But you know I I find it's a little bit uh, less personal when you offer things like that. Uh, when when. When somebody becomes a subscriber, not only do they get access to the site, but we've got a subscriber forum where people can ask questions. I, I scan it. I answer questions. We've got staff involved there. Uh, you know, Basically, I, I, my job is to help fantasy players win titles, and I can't believe I've been doing this for 25 years. It's our okay. silver anniversary. Um, I, I do make my living from the site, so I guess I'm doing some things right. right. Uh, but I, really, I do believe that ffmastermind.com has everything available for newbies as well as experienced players to do well in their leagues. And most of all, I take my job very seriously, and premium subscribers, uh, like I said, not only can post uh, questions on the forum, but they can email me questions at any time for an experienced opinion. Now, I'm not going to tell you I'm right 100% of the time. Nobody is. But I'm not going to ignore you because I want you coming back. This is a small business. I don't have uh, 10, 15, 20,000 subscribers. In fact, this summer, it, it's pretty low because of COVID. People are not playing because they don't know what's going on. Is there going to be a year or whatnot? But, you know, we're, 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 we're like a big freight train running towards the, the start of the season. Like you said, it's about three weeks a year, uh, three weeks away. We're excited about it. Uh, and, and I remember, I, I think I said this last year, and somebody mentioned to me, you should say that every year, but some people may consider me the Alexa of fantasy football. <laughs> I mean, I get everything perfectly right, but I generally always have an answer that's going to help you move you in the right path towards winning, and that's all we can do. Yeah, that's all anybody can do for, uh, for sure. Um, and one thing, and I'll give you a plug for the podcast that you do. You know what I love about it? Well, not I mean, the information what? is fantastic on it, but the best part, half hour long. I love that. You know, some of these pod and you know, God bless all the podcasts that are out there. And I will listen to ones that that are that are longer than than an hour. And obviously, the high stakes fantasy of a football hour is an hour long. But um, but yours, you can you concise or you you consolidate all that info down into a half hour. It's bite sized It's easy to to um, to process. Uh, and, and you just put it in a frame of mind for for people who can not only understand the data but then synthesize it for themselves in their own leagues. Yeah, I can't believe that we've been doing this 13 years in a row, and it's always been a half hour. In fact, sometimes when Chris, uh, who's my co-host, Chris Rito, uh, can't make it, uh, I, I just do a 15-minute show. Because, number one, my, my, my voice, you're just listening to me, I'm going to drown you out or whatever. Some people don't like the sound of my voice or whatever. But also, you get laryngitis just talking to, talking, you know, with yourself. Right, yeah. So, you know, we, we like to have fun on the show. I want to get as, as many, as much information on there, and we always get feedback. So more injuries, less injuries, no. Uh, what about your picks to click and flick? Uh, what, how have they done, you know? And, and we just want to do everything we can. You know, I don't, in fact, I'm not even sure how many other people do a half-hour podcast. Usually people just do an hour, or I've seen two or three hours, and I'm yeah. like, wow, that's, yeah. a, that's a lot of time. I, I'm married and have a family, and uh, you know, I, 30 minutes in and out that fast, uh, get all the critical information out to the people, let them listen to it. And if you've got any questions or whatever, you can email me as a subscriber or, you know, or not. We've got a, a free portion on our board that people can come and post questions on the, for, on the forum. And uh, you know, I, I, and it's not the subscriber forum; uh, it, it's the uh, uh, the free forum. So you know, I'll answer questions there too. But before I go, before I go here, I did want to offer you guys to your listeners something that I always done, and I want to continue this year, and especially maybe this year, people might be on the fence and go, "Well, I'm not sure if I'm going to pay for stuff or whatever," uh, because we don't know if there's going to be a season or whatever. But uh, everybody, I think, needs a little bit of break. So uh, our our most popular packages are super package that's everything we got the draft guide the software the newsletters the injury list everything that we do we got, i'm going to offer a 12 dollar discount code 
uh, the code is called FFPC12. Very simple, right? FFPC12. And this, and last year we just opened it off to new subscribers. Now this year, everybody, everybody that hasn't renewed or, or bought yet or might be thinking about buying or thinking about coming back or whatever can take this code and go to the website and it actually bring the cost down $2 cheaper than the Pro Bowl, which does not include the drafting software, and it brings the cost down to $47.95, and that means you get everything on the site in 2020 for under 50 bucks. Uh, you know, we, we try. Uh, so, and that, that code's going to be valid for the next three weeks all the way up to the start of the season. FFPC12, uh, just do that. Use that when you bring up the order form on ffmastermind.com and choose the Super Bowl package, and hopefully we can help you. We'll be there to help you win a championship. God bless you, Mike Nazarek. We always appreciate the free stuff for our listeners for sure. FFPC12, use that discount code when you're headed on over to ffmastermind.com. Be sure to follow uh, Mike on Twitter at ffmastermind. Check out the podcast, too. It's Like I said, it's, it's very useful, and I definitely enjoy it as well. Mike, uh, what a pleasure. Always love catching up with you for sure. Thanks so much for making some time for us, and good luck in the pros versus Joes. Good luck in all your leagues, and, and you never know. Maybe you'll be selling FF Mastermind. Uh, next year to the public as uh, advice from the $500,000 uh, uh, FFPC main event champion. Well, that's the, certainly the plan. I, it's not for lack of trying, and it's very exciting, and I'm really much looking forward to it. And it's always a pleasure to come on uh, the podcast, Eric. Hey, hey, listen, uh, always a treat, dude, and uh, be good. We'll talk to you again soon, man. Okay, thank you. Take care and stay safe. That is going to do it for our show this week, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for listening. I certainly appreciate it. I want to thank our guests, Scott Kobe, Mike Nazarek. I also want to thank the FFPC, Rob, the audio engineer, and our mutual friend, Bryce, the producer, and my best friend, and of course you for listening. We are back on Friday for our annual Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship preview episode with the commissioner himself, Farrell Elliott. Make sure you're booking those flights and rooms for Las Vegas. Remember, we're going to be at Paris this year. Not Planet Hollywood, not Caesars, not the Rio, not even the Westgate. Paris, right across the street, or right next door to Planet Hollywood. Uh, you can save $400 on those additional FFPC main event teams. Check out the Football Guys Players Championship, the Terminator, the Super Racket, the Best Ball Leagues, the Classics, and of course, the Dynasty Startups. Don't forget uh, to register for those late-night Football Guys drafts if you guys are listening to this late, or for those early afternoon drafts if you guys are listening to this early. I'll talk to you on Friday. Thanks so much for listening. Your week officially continues now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. I'm saying hi to all the duties from around the way. Yeah, cause I got all of them strong, Jack. My girls are like boomerangs. No matter how far I throw them, they come back. I'm coming straight out to NYC. I'm down with digging in the crates, and I'm MVP. If rap was a